Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Luna Love of the Podcast acknowledges the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Araqual people of the Bundjalung Nation, and pays respects to elders past, present, and emerging. And welcome to Luna Love of the Podcast. I'm your host, Jordana Levine. In today's episode, I'm going to be answering some questions that were submitted by listeners on Instagram regarding topics for a podcast episode. And as was the case last time, there wasn't really anything I felt could be an entire episode. So I thought I would get through as many of them as I could. Um, A lot of them were very similar. So that's good. Um, I'm just going to kind of condense them into one and hopefully I get through everybody's questions. Before I do, though, just a quick reminder that the early bird offer for my astrology course, Celestial Storytelling, ends next Tuesday, December 5th. If you're in the Northern Hemisphere, perhaps put December 4th in the diary. Otherwise, it might get a bit tricky. Um, But you do save 25% off if you take the option of the early bird price. Now I'm only running level one once in 2024 and that is in March because, well, next year's a very big year. Yeah, I've got my new book coming out. It's a milestone birthday for me and it's not 30. Um, I'm traveling in the middle of the year and I'm also gonna be running level two of the course mid-year. So if you do wanna do level one, then I highly, highly recommend jumping on the discounted price. Or, you know, to take the pressure off a little bit, you can always choose the payment plan option on the full price, which will give you three months to pay it off. So that might be a little bit more manageable for people. So far with signups, I've got an even split between Aussie participants and US slash UK slash Euro participants, which is very cool for this little Aussie girl. Um, But I think the reason that that's happened is I have allocated two time slots to the live classes each week. So um, depending if you're in Australia or overseas, you should be able to make one of those times. Anyway, if you want to join me for that course where we learn all about the foundational knowledge of astrology and the natal chart, where you'll understand yourself better and your friends and your lovers and your clients and your extended family and your pets. Well, actually, I don't know about the pets. I'm still I'm still uh, researching that one. 
My cat is a Leo with a Libra moon. <laughs> God bless. I don't know what her rising sign is. She's definitely got a Libra moon. I'm not sure if she's a Leo though. Anyway, that that we're not learning about pets in the course. That's that's for another conversation. Um, but if you do wanna, if you do want $220 off the course, then hit the link in the show notes to sign up. All right, let's get into this episode. The majority of people wanted an episode about me, which is weird. That's so weird. Um, Not you guys aren't weird, but it's just weird for me to talk about me. I kind of think it's hilarious because I personally feel like I talk about myself so (laughs) much on here, probably give away too many details about my life at times. Um, But because so many of you asked, I will give you a very brief, quick overview. Um, My name is Jordana Levine. I grew up in the eastern suburbs of Sydney. I am an only child to my mother and one of five to my father. I am close with all of my siblings who I refer to as full siblings, not halves. Oh, and I also have two stepsisters and they're not ugly. They're beautiful. (laughs) They're not mean either. They're really nice. Um, I went to a private girls school uh, also in Sydney and hated it. I mean, not the school. The school was beautiful. I just didn't like school as an institution. I was a very smart kid, but I just didn't really like being told what to learn. And also, like, the more I look back on it, I found the school day to be long and tedious. Now, for most people, they're like, what are you talking about? We finished at three o'clock every day. With what I know now through my human design as a projector, FYI, I'm a projector, um, that was a lot of energy being not only expelled throughout the day, but also that I was absorbing from other children and teachers. It was just a lot. So I do feel for projector children now that I know a little bit more about human design. Um, But nonetheless, I did okay at school. I studied journalism after school and then I pretty much went straight into magazines. I worked in food journalism for 15 years. Yeah, pretty much. Um, And then I went freelance. I wrote my first book that was Make It Happen, a book all about manifestation. It was published in 2019. And then that same year, I moved to Byron Bay and I became a full-time writer. Um, My interest in astrology, I was kind of born into astrology. Mum was really, really into it. She used to read me um, Jonathan Kainer's horoscopes every day in the newspaper. I don't know if you guys remember those. He's not alive anymore. I think his nephew writes them now. Um, But I think it was the Oh God, I probably should have more information. I think it was the Telegraph and my mum used to own a hair salon. So she'd get the paper every day for her clients. And then we'd sit there and read our horoscopes. Um, And also funny fact, if you're a bit of an astrology buff, uh, Yasmin Bolan, who is the author of many astrology books, but her most famous is uh, Moonology. She was actually a client of my mum's and a neighbor of ours. So I used to talk to her about astrology all the time when I was a kid as well. Then in 2016, I began running moon circles. Um, I think we spoke about that a couple of episodes back. And then I began studying astrology in 2018. The podcast that you now know as Lunar Lover launched in 2019. 
and the rest is history. Uh, What else do I do now? So I do write books most of the time. I'm writing my fourth and fifth book simultaneously at the moment. Um, I also do a lot of coaching, which a lot of people don't know about because I don't advertise it a lot. But I do, um, I coach the female exec teams at Google uh, about different things. But last, sorry, this year we talked about self-awareness. I also do executive presence training with people at Google. Um, I do book coaching for aspiring authors. And of course, I work as an astrologer as well. So I am a Gemini. I've got my finger in many pies. Um, I love astrology because I'm just like curious AF, um, but curious about other people and myself, I guess, but, but mainly about other people. I love doing readings because I love getting to know people, hear their stories. It gives me an outlet for my projector guidance. Um, and I just love the psychology of different people and how it plays out. My sun, my Venus, my North Node and my Chiron are all in Gemini, the sign of the communicator, and they all sit in my 12th house. So look, I believe that my purpose and my gift in this lifetime is to communicate, Gemini, very clearly spiritual teachings and, you know, encourage people to alter their perception of the world that they choose to exist in. Someone asked me um, what my plan for the future was, which freaked me out a little bit because I'm not much of a forward planner. Um, But I think I'd be quite content on a quiet property up here in the northern rivers writing books and raising a family and cooking delicious meals in my custom built kitchen. Oh, that's something I didn't mention. I'm also a trained chef. So (laughs) when I was working in food mags, I went and studied commercial cookery. And there were a few years somewhere in the middle there where I'd left publishing, but I wasn't writing full time and I was actually catering yoga retreats. So I do love cooking. I'm very good at it. And I'm trained in it, but I think it's actually a natural skill that I got from my grandmother. Um, so yeah, I'd be happy just cooking in the kitchen with some chickens in the yard, raising a little family and writing my books. But also at the same time, I'd really like to crack the US market with my books. It's a hard market to crack as an Australian, but it's the prime place to get as many eyes on the prize, the prize being my books. So that is also a future projection for me. Um, so that's me. Hopefully you guys are still awake. <laughs> Felt very weird saying all of that, but here we are. Um, all right. The next uh, topic that came up a lot, which surprises me because I do talk about it a lot, uh, is manifestation. Now, of course, I've written a whole book on manifestation go and read that. It's called Make It Happen. Um, It works with what I call the manifestation equation. And the equation is thoughts plus feelings plus action plus faith equals successful manifestation. Now, 
I stand by that book. I do, I do, I do. It's a really good foundation for manifestation. But since then, my practice has developed a lot, which we'll talk about in a minute. I have spoken about manifesting with the moon on this podcast before. I think the episode is called Manifesting with the Moon. So go and find that. Um, There are also certain planets that are really advantageous for manifestation. Jupiter is one of them. Yeah, Jupiter is the planet of luck and opportunity and wisdom. I think depending on how Jupiter sort of expresses itself in your natal chart, it can tell you a lot about how you can best manifest um, and the areas of your life where you probably find it quite easy to manifest. Um, But transiting Jupiter is also going to give you a lot of insight into manifesting. So they say, whoever they are, (laughs) that Jupiter transiting through your 11th house is really good for like manifesting your dreams. Little known fact about the 11th house is that it's the house of hopes and wishes amongst an array of other things. But one of the things that it is, is the house of hopes and wishes. Um, Jupiter is currently transiting my 11th house, which is a little bit exciting. If you have your natal Jupiter in the 11th house, it's a very good spot for it too. Jupiter on the MC or the midheaven, which is an angle in the chart. It's the cusp of the 10th house. Really, really good spot for Jupiter. They also say if Jupiter is conjunct your ascendant, it's very good for manifestation. Um, I would go so far as to say Jupiter conjunct the North Node. So transiting Jupiter when it forms a conjunction with your natal North Node would be great for manifesting. If you're manifesting love, Jupiter transiting the seventh house could be good for that or conjuncting your natal Venus. Uh, If you're looking at career, Jupiter transiting the 10th house, the sixth house even. Jupiter conjuncting your Mars could be good for that as well. Yeah. So Jupiter is what you want to keep an eye out for. (laughs) If you need that explained more in depth, you might want to book in a transit and progressions reading. And I can have a look where Jupiter is at the moment. Um, Lately, my manifestation practice has really been focused on the concept of the quantum field. Right, I've been deep, 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 deep in the teachings and meditations of Dr. Joe Dispenza and uh, Neville Goddard, who, God, Neville Goddard, I mean, he isn't alive anymore, but he has so many incredible lectures on the law of assumption. And look, Neville's not for everyone. He's quite religious. He sort of talks about the metaphysics in the Bible. Um, so I am not against the Bible at all. (laughs) I went to a Catholic school, but, uh, there's a lot about it that doesn't resonate with me. I still found Neville Goddard's teachings incredible. Um, so definitely, definitely check those out. But look, the lectures are from like the forties and the fifties. Yeah. So this is old, old, old stuff, but a lot of his theories, stand very true today and align with the work of people like Dr. Joe. Yeah. And the work that he's currently doing with his team of scientists. It's, 
yeah, it's just, it's fascinating. Anyway, so I've been deep in the world of things like quantum leaping or jumping and the concept of collapsing timelines and shifting realities. There's a lot of science around this work and my little Virgo moon and Gemini sun loves the analytics of all of this. We spoke briefly actually in the Gemini full moon episode about this idea that reality changes when we shift our perception of what is real. Yeah. And the theory of assumption and the quantum field basically rests on the idea that the past, present and future are all existing simultaneously and that there are multiple versions of each and you get to decide what future reality you wish to bring into the present moment. Yeah. It's kind of very um, multiverse-esque. If that's, <laughs> if that's the way you want to sort of compute it in your brain. Um, and also, look, I realize I'm probably butchering all of this. I'm quite fresh to these teachings. I am the kind of person who wants to know something inside and out before I can share it in its simple, practical, digestible form, which I know is my brand. But um, I'm not quite there yet with this stuff. Um, I've probably been doing it for about 12 months now, um, very much as a student. But when I do know more about it, perhaps we can talk more. Um, but if, look, if this conversation around uh, manifestation has piqued your interest, I highly, highly, highly recommend starting with uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza's book, Becoming Supernatural. I think that's a really good place to start. Listen to the audiobook. It's not narrated by Dr. Joe. Oh, actually, it might be if you're in the States. In Australia, it's an um, Australian voiceover artist. His voice is so easy to listen to. Um, and I loved listening on my walks. Like I was just absorbed the whole time. So that's a really good place to start. If you want like a really quick fix... I would never, ever, ever usually recommend this, but I actually think this chick knows what she's talking about. Hop on TikTok, look up Ascend with Abby. All right, she's blonde, she's beautiful. Don't let that put you off. <laughs> she's blonde, she's beautiful, she's American. Don't hold it against her. She really simplifies and breaks the concepts of the quantum field and quantum jumping and quantum leaping and collapsing timelines. She explains it in a really, really simplified way. I really love it. I f have fallen into many a wormhole on Ascend with Abby's account. So definitely go check that out. Anyway, bit of fun, bit of fun around manifestation. Um, I was also asked if the natal chart can tell us anything about our personal style or fashion. I loved this question. I've never had it before. Loved, loved, loved. Short answer, yeah, absolutely. Longer answer, probably takes a little bit of background knowledge and sort of looking at someone's chart as a whole to be quite accurate with determining someone's style and fashion. Um, but looking at your Venus placement or someone else's Venus placement would be a really, really, really good place to start. Um, perhaps if there are particular planets aspecting the midheaven or the MC. So when I say aspecting, I mean either conjuncting, so forming a conjunction, so sitting on the midheaven, which is the cusp of the 10th house, 
or squaring the midheaven or trining the midheaven or opposing the midheaven. But I would say mostly conjuncting. This is all stuff we learn in level two of celestial storytelling, by the way. If me saying squaring, trining, opposing is freaking you out. Um, I'd also be interested in what's going on in someone's first house. The first house is the house of self, but it's very much sort of the superficial self. And I mean that in the sense of what people can see uh, about us. So what's on the surface. And look, I mean, the other thing we could say is having a look at someone's ascendant sign could probably tell us a lot about their personal style. And then if we want to go further, let's say your chart is like heavily Aquarius. It'd be pretty fair to assume that you're quite quirky and original. And that probably comes through in your sense of style. Or alternatively, like if you've got quite a Saturnian chart or like have lots of Capricorn placements, you might be quite conservative or traditional in the way that you dress. If you are Libra, Taurus or Venus heavy, I'd say you're quite conscious of your own aesthetic. So Libra rising, Taurus rising means that your chart is ruled by Venus. Or if you've got a lot of placements in Libra or Taurus or say Venus is forming a strong aspect with your sun, I'd say, yeah, you're quite conscious of how you look and that probably comes through in your style and sense of fashion. I hope that answered that question. Okay. I loved that question. Um, Another question I got was about sexual compatibility. (gasps) Love this question, but disappointing answer. You guys know how I feel about compatibility. And if you don't, it's this. I think compatibility is something that is just a bit uh, clickbaity. There are lots of ways to see if we're compatible with a partner. And we do that through a synastry chart or a composite chart. Um, but just saying, is this sign compatible with that sign? You know, I, I just don't think you can do that without taking the whole natal chart into consideration in saying that when it comes to our sexual nature, um, we want to have a look at someone's Mars sign would be a really good place to start. Um, having a look at what's going on in someone's eighth house probably gives you a little bit of intel into sex. But also in saying that, like if someone has a lot of Scorpio placements, I would say sex is probably quite important to them or part of their, well, depending on what it is, maybe part of their identity or their self-expression in some way. But I guess what we have to ask ourselves when we speak about sexual compatibility is what does sexual compatibility mean to you? Because I think it's quite a subjective thing, right? They do say, and again, this is so hard to talk about because it's all spoken about in a really heteronormative fashion. Um, So I just don't think it stands. But for argument's sake, they do say that if you identify as female or feminine, let's say, if you identify as feminine and you're dating the masculine, then you'd want to have a look at your Venus and their Mars. But honestly, I just don't think it's that straightforward right? They could say, like, I'm a woman who dates men, right? So I could say my Venus in Gemini with a Mars in Gemini man. To be honest, I don't need any more Gemini in my life, you know? But in saying that my Mars in Scorpio matching with a man's Venus in Scorpio could actually be not a terrible match. 
right? So, but again, it's going to depend on the rest of the chart. So that's why I said you just can't, you just can't do it. I mean, you can, but I don't think you should because you really have to factor in the whole birth chart. And any astrologer who tells you otherwise is lying to you. They're lying. <laughs> but as for your own self-awareness around your own sexuality and sexual desires, yes, start with your Mars sign and the house that it's in. And then go and have a look at what's happening in your eighth house. If Saturn is conjunct your Mars, then like natal Saturn is conjunct your natal Mars, there might be a bit of sexual oppression or shyness or fear around expressing yourself sexually. But in saying that my Saturn is conjunct my Mars and I don't relate to that at all because of other factors in my chart, right? Make sense? Okay, so I kind of said we were going to talk about it and then I was like, nothing I say is true. No, just to recap, have a look at your Mars placement and the house that it's in and then go and check out what's happening in your eighth house. All right, my loves, there were also some questions about the houses, but I've done two episodes on the houses, so go and find those in the archives. I think they're labeled the houses one to six and then the houses seven to 12. Um, And also in celestial storytelling, we are diving deep into the houses. Yeah, and I have really, really, really made sure that that week's teachings is really clear so you guys can understand how the houses fit in. All right, last question that came up a few times was around crystals and the moon. Now, I do recommend putting your crystals out under a full moon to charge them and cleanse them. I do say don't put them out under an eclipse because the energy is too potent. Um, But in saying that, there are absolutely no rules when it comes to crystals and the moon. Right. And I've done a lot of research on this and there is not my basic understanding of it is this. Science has proven that matter is 99.9999999 infinity percent empty space. Right. And the thing that makes up that empty space is energy. Energy is everything. Everything in the universe is energy. Right. You, me, inanimate objects everything, including crystals. Albert Einstein said, everything is energy and that's all there is to it. This is not philosophy. This is physics. All right. So we can agree on that. So crystals, just like us, just like the planets, just like your coffee table is vibrating energy. However, people like you and me and the planets are made up of a really unique vibrational frequency, right? And this frequency or this vibration is very unstable. Yeah, it's very easily influenced by other things. It changes constantly, right? I think, you know, sort of looking at how the planets are changing is the influence that other planets, bigger planets can have on them depending on how close they are to each other, right? Or the angles that they're making with each other. If we look at us as humans, we're exposed to other people, we're exposed to social media, we're exposed to the weather, 
good news, bad news, our own memories, our own wounds, our own triggers. And this in turn can change our vibrational frequency. Yeah, we can be radiating on a really high frequency of like love and gratitude and peace and compassion or on a lower vibrational frequency, um, generating emotions like jealousy and anxiety and anger and fear. Now, crystals, on the other hand, have a super stable energetic frequency that doesn't change, right? They're made up of a fixed, regularly repeating, perfect geometric pattern of molecules. And they maintain their perfect stability with no effort, which is very much the opposite of our constantly changing, non-stable human nature, right? So why does the stability of a crystal matter? Well, more stable energy equals more powerful energy and powerful energy can influence the energies around us. This is why crystals can so profoundly influence our unstable, less powerful energy. Now, the question is, if a crystal is so stable in its energy, what effect is the moon having on it? It's a very good question that I don't know the answer to. And and I wanted to be like really forthright with you guys about that. I'm not sure, but I will say this. (laughs) I came in with the science and I'm leaving with the dunno. Dunno. Everything I've looked at, everything I've researched is not giving me an answer that I feel satisfied with other than something a bit woo-woo. Now, we all believe in the woo-woo, don't we? And that's fine. But I didn't want to come here with the woo-woo of it all. I wanted to come here with a little bit of science and I got nothing. But also in saying that, the astronomers, the scientists say that the moon does not affect us as humans. And that is baloney. We know that to be true. All right. So I want you to apply the same baloney to crystals. Now, if someone's listening and they do know how the moon affects crystals, by all means, Write me an email, let me know about it, and I'll talk about it on the podcast. But from everything I looked at online, all of the research I did, there wasn't anything that convinced me other than people just believing it, right? It's so funny. Actually, the other day I was watching um, Mirror Mirror on Channel 10 with my friend Matt, who composes the music for the show. And Mirror Mirrors had lots of seasons, but this season was about wellness. And I've got to say, like, I do like Todd Sampson, the host of the show, but I feel like they were going in trying to make everyone they had on the show look like fools, right? They had a kinesiologist, they had a crystal healer, they had this beautiful woman who works up in a shop here in Byron in a crystal shop. But there was sort of a little bit of judgment behind each segment. And what they kept saying, which was annoying me, was they'd have like doctors or scientists come on and be like, this is all a placebo, right? Around the crystals, around kinesiology, around all these different modalities. You know, this isn't real. This is just a placebo and placebos work. There is science behind placebos. Now, while I understand that, and I do think that there are some things in life that do work with the placebo effect, I know for a fact that kinesiology is not one of them. And I don't believe crystals falls into that category either. I do think crystals have their own unique properties. The reason I told you that is I'm not here saying that crystals are not affected by the moon, but I just can't find anything concrete to tell you why. And I just wanted to be really open with you about that. 
Anyway, moving on. Put them out. It it helps. I promise. I mean, the one thing we could say, sorry to go on about this, but we could say that crystals are made up of unique minerals from the earth, right? That's what they are. They're minerals from the earth. And we all know, and science has proven time and time again, that the earth and the moon are very closely connected to each other. In fact, they're quite dependent on one another. So, you know, if the crystals are part of earth and earth is affected by the moon, then the crystals obviously affected by the moon too. All right. So you can bring that up at your next dinner party when your uncle's asking you, why are you putting your crystals out under the full moon? You can say, because they come from the earth and the moon affects the earth. And that is why I do it. All right, my loves, a bit of a chaotic episode, but I hope you learned something new about yourself and about me and about manifestation. Um, Definitely check out Joe Dispenza's work if you haven't. I'm sure many of you have, but if you haven't, oh my God, your mind's going to be a balloon. And then go and check out Ascend with Abby on TikTok. Um, All right, my loves, I'll be back next week talking about the Scorpio new moon, which is not next week. It's the week after, but I want to give you um, enough leeway to sort of understand what's going on before the new moon arrives. Uh, Natal chart readings are booked out until Feb. I'm so sorry if you were hoping to get one before then, um, but that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Like I said, I am deep in book writing. My deadline is the 1st of Feb. Um, so I did have to cut back on how many readings I would do it. I was doing and then they all got snapped up. But if you want to book in for the new year, I do recommend doing that. If you want to sign up for Celestial Storytelling, the early bird offer closes next Tuesday, December 5th. Um, but of course, it's still open until we kick off in March. Yeah, you just save yourself $220 if you sign up by December 5th. Um, what else? I think that's it. Follow me on Instagram, Luna double underscore lover. Or if you want to follow me personally, Jordana Levine. Until next moon, I am Jordana Levine. And you've been listening to Luna Lover, the podcast. nail salon and grocery store wait she's at the nail salon and the grocery store i'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store groceries through instacart delivered to my door i don't have to choose between acrylics and the grocery store 